0: Welcome back to the Goddess Needs Crowd. This is Jason Broughton. Today we have back with us Dave Peterson. Welcome back, Dave. Thank you. We are looking at the gospel reading for the Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord, the very last Sunday in Epiphany. I'll read that from the English Standard Version. It comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, verses 1 to 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And A voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. All right, um, before we dive into context, I have a paragraph from Fred Lindemann's The Sermon and the Propers uh, on the Transfiguration, and really kind of a summary of The Epiphany season, and he wrote, The observance of this festival on the last Sunday after the Epiphany, when there is more than one such Sunday, is distinctly a Lutheran use and dates from Reformation times. The rubrics provide for a celebration that is almost annual. The Epiphany season is to demonstrate in the scheme of the church year that the babe of Bethlehem, the young lad who grew to young manhood, and who was seen and known of men in the walks and relations of the common daily life is god of god light of light very god of very god god in man made manifest it is also to show how in the love of god this jesus is saving his people from their sins sunday after sunday adds to the manifestations till we reach the transfigure mount transfiguration mount and behold there the climax of epiphanies the last Sunday of the season immediately before the season of preparation for the Passion is historically appropriate in our Lord's life. He descends from the mount and, heartened by the voice of the cloud, sets his face to go up to Jerusalem. With the transfiguration scene ever before us, we enter the days of the Holy Passion, accompanying, accompany him down into the valley through the gloom and agonies to climb with him that other hill. And then he goes into the propers, but it you do kind of see this the culmination and the beginning of something else and I thought that was a really nice insight from from Lindemann that it's the culmination of epiphany, but it's also kind of nodding and giving way like all right now we're we're transitioning towards looking toward where we're headed
1: right yeah, it's a I mean it's a brilliant. It's a brilliant positioning instead of having transfiguration in August, having it as this culmination of Epiphany, especially when you think about this, uh, you know, compared to the other Sundays in Epiphany, this is less of a miracle in the sense of um, it's not that he changes water into wine or he changes himself into God. It's a revealing, right? Mm -hmm. This is the manifestation. The transfiguration isn't that he's changed, it's that, you know... Some of the humiliation is stripped away, and they see more clearly who he is. Uh, and so it is this ultimate manifestation or showing of who he is. It also has you know this the Lent uh, there's two there, you know the big broad movement in Lent is that the first four Sundays are really more are catechetical, and then it gets into the sort of depths of woe stuff with passion tied you know mm-hmm. at the end and here you have, listen to him, right? That's catechesis. And then of course, it's like, especially in Luke's gospel, then he comes down from the mountain, sets his face towards Jerusalem. I mean, it really just is perfect in terms of uh, a, an exact reflection of the church here. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It, and it also, of course, uh, as I, I can't remember now what Lin, exactly what Lindemann said here, but, you know, there is in this a foreshadowing of both the resurrection and of the ascension, you know. So mm. there is that sort of, uh, you know, that not only, you know, was Jesus prepared for what he had to endure and face, but so were his disciples. You know that they were shown this so that they would, you know, not lose vision of the, the mission and the purpose of this. And again, you know, like that's what we're doing as we yeah. prepare for, sort of for the hardships of Lent. So I don't know why at this point. All of Chris all liturgical Christendom hasn't glommed onto this, you know.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: because it's just it's just brilliant. You know, we all we all sing Silent Night on Christmas Eve like a bunch of Catholics. I mean, that's the most Catholic thing in the world to sing Silent Night on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so we pick up stuff from them. I don't know why they haven't picked this up.
0: Well, they are I, I mean, I'm
1: not being facetious. <laughs> they can because they, they can't they they sing a mighty fortress. They should do this. They should, this is the, it's just, it's the, seriously, it's the most liturgically brilliant innovation since the addition of Holy Trinity to the church Mm -hmm.
0: here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a a a good question.
0: uh, You know, I mean, uh, I, it it should, it, it, like you said, it's just filled with such import that, how often is this the case that we forget that we need, Lindemann talked about it as the encouragement to to descend the mountain and head in towards his, his passion. How often as pastors or even just Christians in general do we forget about the need for that kind of general encouragement as we face difficulties? Yeah. Uh, and th- it's like built into the church here and <laughs> I know. We're, it, but we don't we don't recognize it and we don't take we don't learn from it either to say you know when uh, when we encounter people who are going through struggles um, we have this law gospel schema that we just like, oh well you suck but Jesus loves you <laughs> instead of look you, you know Jesus loves you and he's given you his spirit, and he's encourage- like he's cheering you on along the way maybe that's a little um hokey but my point is we kind of forget that whole i mean all of easter is about encouragement <laughs> right i mean he's sending yeah. the encourager the comforter the yeah. yeah yeah it's it's like a forgotten yeah. aspect of the christian life which is encouragement yeah
1: well, I mean, it just makes so much, it's such a, again, it just fits It just fits in the church here so seamlessly. I mean, mm-hmm. not doing it at this point, for me, to not have transfiguration, right, between, you know, as the culmination of Epiphany and, and the setting towards Lent, it would be like, you know, on, I don't know, on Good Friday, you know, not having an account of the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. I mean you know let's have let's let's have the reading of the crucifixion account in July you know and on good friday you know let's just have another you know miracle text i mean
0: <laughs> yeah is is there he mentioned that when there is more than one sunday is there ever uh, th- that this is the the last reading or the, the the last gospel reading for for that last sunday is there ever a time when there's only one sunday in epiphany yeah, I mean, I,
1: uh, it's happened at least once in my ministry. I think
0: that's it, though. Um, and so it has to be then... Easter
1: Easter has to be super early.
0: Yeah. I mean, this this year, Easter is about as early as it can get, but it has to be even earlier. It has to be like March 27th or something. That's right. as early as it can be, right? I thought it was... Isn't it
1: like March 24th? or? But anyway, yeah, it's, 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 it's in there, right? The first... The first Sunday after the full Epiphany. moon, after the equinox. Okay. So that's when Easter can be. But anyway, the- So yeah, what's it, the uh,
0: then, if there's only one Sunday, it's, you do Epiphany 1? The Sunday one the
1: octave. Yeah. Okay. You do Epiphany 1. So okay. you miss Cana. You miss yeah.
0: Oh my well, goodness. Well, you miss Cana
1: and you, you, you miss Transfiguration too. Wow. Right. I've had, we've had it, I uh, maybe we've never, maybe it hasn't happened, maybe what happened before- in, since I've been in the ministry, was we missed Cana. Um, you can't. That so you had Epiphany one, with
0: and then Transfiguration. Uh, and tra- I think that's happened. I think
1: that's happened a couple of times. I don't know if we've mm-hmm. ever. I can't remember now. But huh. so it's pretty rare that you don't have Transfiguration. Yeah. Of course, it, this is because only because we have pre Lent. If you didn't have the, if you didn't have pre Lent, it would, it would.
0: There, it there, matter, it yeah.
1: Never happens. Yeah,
0: but I wouldn't. I wouldn't give up pre Lent. No, I'm that's... not
1: giving up pre-Lent. <laughs> pre Lent. This is again. We are in the. These are the glory days of the historic lectionary. I mean, this is the the trans. I mean, pre Lent is. I, I the pre Lent alone is worth the historic lectionary, even if nothing else made sense or was or was you know good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, so um, let's get back to transfiguration. Uh, Anything in the translation or any like context? We already discussed uh, immediately after this. At least in Luke, we're told that he's setting his face resolutely towards Jerusalem, uh, and uh, I'm sure it's like this is the culmination of his uh, his ministry in Galilee, and now he's gonna he's moving towards the passion. Yeah, Um, and and that's that's true in all three. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, all th- it's it's not in John, so we only have right. this in the synoptics. But in all three of them, it it follows the uh the confession of Saint Peter and then yeah. the passion prediction. So, this is in the context of right Peter making this great confession that he's Jesus is the Messiah and then Jesus saying it is necessary for the son of man to go and suffer these terrible things, right? So, even the even the that which immediately precedes it is also, I think, related to this the shift um, yeah. in uh, now. Sam, I don't want I want to say that you know it's getting what, what do I, I usually <laughs> say it's getting more intense or whatever. <laughs> then you say you say that every week. I do so, but it's true. This is the
0: time <laughs> when the enemies are really coming after him. Uh, it's like if it's always the time, then it's never the time. <laughs>
1: I'm like, it's like, well, that's like, there is that though. I think you you certainly see that in Mark's gospel with this use of the word immediately. I mean, there is this idea that it is getting more (laughs) intense.
0: (laughs) I know you're like spinal tap though. It's one higher. It's (laughs) 11. (laughs) Yes, I know, but it's it's one more. (laughs) So, so it it, it is becoming more intense, uh, particularly as he's heading towards Jerusalem. Uh, We get that there, there, his opponents and those who hate him are really seeing exactly what they hate. Now they're putting their finger on it completely, right? They've got their thumb um, on the bead, on the pulse of who this guy is and what he's about. And they are uh, putting all of their efforts to try to silence him in by any means possible. That's probably fair. Well,
1: yes, but you you also have, I think it's in the intensities uh, increasing for the disciples in that, right, they're not making this clear confession. You are the Christ, uh, the mm-hmm. son of the living God. And uh, they're making that, you know, explicitly. And Jesus is speaking to them clearly about what's going to happen to him. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to struggle. In fact, that's that's the great thing. We don't get this in Matthew, but right, Luke tells us what the, Moses and Elijah and Jesus are talking about and it's his mm-hmm. exodus from this world. And so that's you know, that comes into play as to what Peter's yeah. doing. So, so are, are we I seeing like a,
0: a a Jesus derangement syndrome going on in the uh his enemies? <laughs> uh and and that's and that helps along those who are already kind of listening to Jesus mm-hmm. and seeing what What he's about, and 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 it's revealing the opposition uh, so much more clearly. Uh, In that they're like, hey, you know, we liked him before, but now as we see like what's (laughs) going up against him, now we're really in his camp. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah. Sort of like evil popes are better, openly evil popes. Sorry, openly evil popes are better for Lutheranism than popes that look good on the outside. Right, oh, because yeah. it, it it does it does make things more clear. I think that's you know like Leo X is a great pope for the Reformation, right? right. Whereas when Ratzinger was when Ratzinger was pope, we were all like, hey, that doesn't look so bad. So I, I think there there is a truth in what you're saying because the contrast or Pharaoh, right? That's why God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Sure. Um, there's also though. I think I mean not to. You know, I'm of the opinion that the ministry of Jesus is three years, not one. So Mm -hmm. that depends. But even, but even say it was even at one year. When you think about these guys being with Jesus all day long, almost every single day for a year, they're getting a lot of catechesis. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I think this is a this is something that we should emphasize because I think we've often been so influenced by the conversion of Saint Paul. That we think that's the norm in other words that and we talk this way too i think maybe a little bit too much that is that as though faith is like a light switch and you either uh, have it or you don't have it right yeah. and so we you know paul is paul is converted in an instant and he goes from being an unbeliever to being a believer there's a, a sense of which that's true but as we experience it it doesn't quite feel that way Mo- most people that I've been involved with that have come to the faith as adults, uh, they don't know the exact moment they became Christians, you know? And it it happens kind of slowly over time.
0: I wonder if there's a point here to be be shown. On the one hand, what you're talking about, that on the whole, for the most part, many just Christians who aren't really against him per se, Jesus, and Christianity per se— they are kind of brought along, and it happens uh, over time, kind of the way Peter in Second Peter talks about, with you know, by way of reminder and things like that. Um, but those who are like uh, dead set against Christianity, like Saint Paul was, or some of the you know the the major atheists throughout the past who spoke against um, Christianity and our Lord, it is a sudden thing. I wonder if there's something to that.
1: It could, that's interesting I, I i could be i was thinking more of how i don't i'm not saying that the disciples weren't christians from their baptisms but rather that their 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 faith has been slowly being fanned into flame yeah, you know yeah. by a lot of spending a lot of time in the word and a lot of time with jesus and mm-hmm. it takes it takes that before they're able to make this clear confession or mm-hmm. before they're ready to face martyrdom which of course mm-hmm. they're not at this point right so no. the the amount of kind of invest, so even even paul right even if you know there is this kind of radical change in an instant and the scales fall from his eyes he still has quite a bit of catechesis you know he's caught up to the third heaven and he goes off to arabia and all that stuff and i think we it's just it's just a, a something because of the way that the scriptures are written that gets compacted and so it seems like it happened faster than it did Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we become frustrated with the work of the church today or because it seems like, you know, I mean, you try to get people to sit through a, you know, a 16 week, one hour a week instruction course, you know,
0: yeah.
1: and 16 hours. These guys did 16 hours in Jesus with Jesus the first day and right. had at least 364 more. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they were immersed in and, and you know, that we just need to live in the word, right? We need to live out that Deuteronomy 6 stuff. And, and that'll lead us to the point where we can say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and where we can face martyrdom. So,
0: mm-hmm. so, is, uh, so building on what Lindemann's talking about in terms of the encouragement given to Jesus, and then also likely the disciples, at least Peter, mm-hmm. James, and John, uh, in seeing this transfiguration, uh, which he talks about, and Peter talks about in Second Peter. Um, so you've got this confession, and is this is this God knowing they're not ready, and He gives <laughs> them this glimpse of uh, uh, of what's to come? Yet we have this thing to go through. Like, let's here's the finish line, but not yet.
1: Well, look, Peter, right, Peter makes this great confession and immediately fails, right? right. I mean, in, in, in chapter 16, he makes this great confession. Jesus says, hey, good job. Here's what's going to happen. And Peter says, no. And then, I mean, it's called Satan. And right. I think a similar thing goes on here uh, that I think Peter's desire to build three tents is to stay on the mountain and to not go down and to do the suffering. Yeah. It doesn't have to be read that way, but I think I think the cloud and the voice is a rebuke. And that's why they're afraid. Um because right, it's it's a law it's law preaching to them because they haven't been listening. Yeah. They okay. instead of listening to what Jesus says, they were thinking about what they're going to say and they're thinking about a better way to do things, right? One mm-hmm. that avoids sorrows and sufferings. And so, I mean there's there uh, but it's both, right? So it still is encouragement, right? He is, he is showing him, you know, the the end and, and so forth. But Peter is still focused on the reality of how we get there, and, and thinks he has a better plan. So we have to keep on listening.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. How often is it that you've been in conversations where either someone has been like this, or you yourself been like this, and you're just looking? you or they are just looking for the next thing that they can say instead of actually being in the conversation. And, and it feels so weird because you're like, uh, I I don't, were you just listening to me or they're looking at you like, what the hell does that have to do with anything I was just talking about?
1: Well, I mean, we know we're all guilty of that. That's a, that's a con- That's why it's, it's so difficult. I mean, this is marriages. I mean, it's just why it's so hard to actually listen to people. Yeah. Because while because while they're talking, we have our own internal monologue going on, and we're just self-obsessed. Yeah. I, I think this is probably one of the things where Jesus was very different than everybody else, that he actually oh. listened, that he paid attention, right? Because yeah. he's not caught in himself. He's not selfish.
0: Yeah. Well, here's going to be my plug for pastors to go to Winkle. They need to listen to oh. other sermons, I think. Yeah. We need to learn how to listen to other people's preaching. And otherwise we just become so caught up in the way we would do it or how that's not how I would say it, that we never benefit from the insight that someone else might have. And I find this every time on vacation, like the first time I go to church um, where I'm not preaching is difficult. But by the end, like after a couple of weeks, it's like, oh, this is really great. Like, I wouldn't have done it that way, but that was really insightful. And you actually have an opportunity to learn. Yeah.
1: And and how about not just to learn, but to be fed? Yeah. You know, to actually receive a sermon as the word of God from a man, a fallible man that God has put into that position for this purpose. Instead of Mm -hmm. thinking of how he could have done better, why not just receive it? Which right. I mean I'm right, I mean it's i I know this is i I'm not not that I've mastered this, obviously, but <laughs> I, I i I do think that's exactly what we should be doing we we should be reco- see we should understand that preaching is a mystical activity, a mm-hmm. supernatural reality that God has instituted and promised to bless, right faith cometh by hearing, and so. You know, we should come to we should sit before our brother pastors with the same sort of rever- when they're preaching with the same sort of reverence that we come to the sacrament of the altar.
0: Right. There's a real presence but in preaching hard. that Luther talks yeah. about. Right. Yeah. But
1: it, that's very difficult because I mean, you know, this I think it's more difficult, you know, for the fallen flesh than you know bread and wine it's easier for me to believe that the body and blood of the risen body and blood of Jesus are in bread and wine than it is that Jesus is using your mouth to talk to me.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. Right? Well, yes.
1: Cause I've heard a lot of other stuff out of your mouth, you know?
0: Well, oh, you have. And <laughs> uh, the, you know, the great thing though, here is this puts us right in the position of the, you know, the, the the Jews seek signs, the Greeks seek yes. wisdom. Like there is, we are like the Jews in that regard, and we're like the the Greeks in that regard too. Yeah. Uh, when Saint Paul goes on about that in First Corinthians, and we should remember that it's easier to look at the sign, namely the sacrament of the altar or baptism, than it is to submit yourself to. Um, th- this man's fallible voice, either in preaching or in confession, and I wonder if that um, yeah. plays into why confession is kind of—I I don't want to say despised uh, in in the sense of hatred, but despised and not esteemed among us as it ought to be.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think it's—I think it's very closely related. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole office of the ministry stuff is—it is—it is difficult. But I also, you know, I love the—I love. You know, setting it up next to the sacrament of the altar because, you know, it's not as though the bread that we're or wine that we're using for Holy Communion have almost any material goodness. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, 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 it's not it's not like we're using really great bread or really great wine, right? Mm-hmm. We're using the cheapest stuff. And, uh, you know, it's <laughs> this is not why <laughs> it's very humble.
0: Both bread. You would
1: not eat. You would not eat the bread that we use for holy communion unless you were starving. Yeah, it's bread.
0: gross. In other words, it's gross. It's,
1: it's a, I mean, it's very humble, right? Yeah. It's very humble stuff, and and so I mean, why would we expect the men that fill this office? You know, we're not getting the best men, just like we don't get it's, the best
0: bread. I, you know, I wish that we would um, have a little more recognition that. Uh, so the best of the best in the pastoral office is kind of the bottom of the barrel and the rest of the world.
1: <laughs> well, you know the, the, the I don't want to think, of,
0: I don't want to think of myself as the th- bottom of the bo- barrel but look, I mean there's always a part yeah. of me that thinks I could do other things and I maybe I don't know. I I don't know maybe this is this is my lot as Heath Curtis would say. I don't think I'm stupid yeah. but you know this is the this is the lottery I drew. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. We always we always assume it's so funny in the ministerium, you know. The uh, we're so proud of our education and we think it's significant. And we also we always like, well, if I wasn't a pastor, of course, you know, we never say I'd be a truck driver, which would be a legit vocation that requires, edu- you know, skill. And no, we always say, oh, I'd be a lawyer, right? I'd be a doctor. I'd be a
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, anyway, it's, uh, the, the, it, is, it is a divine office. That's the point. It is instituted yeah. by God. He does work through it. And, and, of course, none of this is to excuse laziness and all that. But, but it's it just and when we're listening, that's what we ought to be try to be yeah. cognizant of. All right. We should talk about the actual text.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's do that.
1: So after, after six days, Luke has eight days. That's because it, it's the same day. This is seven days, right? So it just depends on how you count. Um, so when he says after six days, this of course is calling in the days of creation and emphasizing that this is the Sabbath. And I mm-hmm. think, uh, as you already said, this is a Sabbath both for Jesus and for the disciples, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's a time to rest and be refreshed and recreated, right? Right for a purpose. And that purpose is to right go and suffer and die, or go with Jesus as he suffers and dies. So that that's a beautiful sort of thing. And uh, of course, the eighth day stuff in Luke is really the same idea. What is the Sabbath for? It's for recreation, restoration, and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew really wants us to get the Moses connection. And the um, the Old Testament, Exodus 34, right, is, you know, Moses on Sinai, where his face shines. So you've got that. You've also got this uh, bright cloud, which is unique. The the adjective there is unique to Matthew between the three. And that's, of course, again, just showing this connection between the glory of the Lord on Mount Sinai and what Jesus is doing. And then you have in Matthew, and I think this is really nice. Uh, Matthew adds. The father saying, with whom I am well pleased. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that's kind of significant as well. You've got the Isaiah 42 passage, the elect one whom I love, uh, that maybe that's a nod to. But I think also it's just demonstrating this ideal father son relationship. So I think it's really interesting to think about the difference between fathers and sons and daughters and mothers. And then also the difference between fathers and daughters and mothers and sons. And I mean, every family maybe is, is different, but largely, statistically, what, what, what are you always saying for the, what do you always say? On the whole and for the, and most, for the part, most part. I, I said, I, yeah, On the whole and for the most part, uh, you know, the, the relationship between father and son is, is more difficult than the relationship between father and daughter. Yeah. And I think that that's largely because fathers and sons are, in some sense, competing. Um, and they're not competing directly with each other, but there is this sense in which what the son is, what the son is working for is for his father to respect him. Yeah. And what the father wants to see in the son is actually virtue. Mm -hmm. And the father doesn't judge the daughter in the same way. He's not as concerned with that because he's looking, he's still looking for virtue, but he's looking for different virtues. And he also doesn't have the sort of ability, like he's easier on the daughter because the virtues that she displays are sort of foreign to him and alien to him. And so he's sort of like, he's impressed by, He's impressed with women because that's what he's been taught to be, right? To honor them, to respect them, to see them as these, you know, the 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 belly of life that that therefore needs to be protected and so forth. So, but with the son, right? There's that, that there's that kind of thing, and then I think it's similar with with da- mothers and daughters. That's why a mother daughter relationship is often much more tense than the mother son. So they're yeah. But anyway, all that's kind of very interesting. So the. Uh, The thing is, is that Jesus has the respect of his father, right? Yeah, Uh, Whom I'm well pleased. uh, And that, and he is, he has that because he's virtuous. He is, uh, he is obedient to his father. And in both cases, when, when the father says this at the baptism, right? And then Jesus is immediately set out, handed over to the desert, like the scapegoat. And then here, right? uh, The father says this and he's sent to the cross and so what is it that pleases the father? What pleases the father is that the son is virtuous, that he is obedient, that uh, that he's going to fulfill this this law and make this sacrifice. This is the ultimate masculine virtue to lay down his life for someone else.
0: Yeah. And, and he does it without complaint. Yeah. Like without wallowing cor- in. I mean, he asks, like, is there another way? But it's not like... Um, the way that we do this now, when, we're, when we see what uh, what's what it's going to require of us, and we um, spend more time trying to find a way around of it than just doing the thing right in front of us.
1: Yeah, I don't think he is asking. Is there another way? Um, I think that's just a bit of indirect speech. That so when he says when he says if it's possible, take this cup from me. There's no there's no way that's possible. There's no way he thinks it is. There's uh, what he's really saying is, uh, I want some reassurance, to use your word, encouragement. I mean, how does the father respond to that prayer in the garden? What What is the um, direct action oh. of putting you on the spot? He sends angels to
0: comfort angels, him. That's right. I was trying to think. And that's he what he
1: them. does. That You know, he doesn't say anything. Anyway. He just sends angels to minister to him, which is which is what happens at the end of the temptation as well. And that's actually what Jesus was asking for. So. Because, you know, we do this all that this is this whole indirect speech thing. So, you know, you're supposed to get up at 630 to get ready for school and you're still in bed at 635 and your mother walks by and asks, are you going to are you going to lie there all day? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That's not actually a question seeking information. That's a command. You better get up. Right.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: this what? is the, we use this kind of language. And so when he's when he asks that question, he isn't really asking He's not trying to. He's not asking the father to reconsider. He's he's saying, okay. uh, you know, send yeah, the look, angels. I'm going about to send the angels. I, I'm I'm going to do this. We know I'm going to do this. We've agreed I'm going to do this. I want you to comfort me. I want I want to be I want to be reminded again that this is good and right, and I'll be vindicated.
0: You know, and, I've never I've never thought about you know that this is oh, so. This is what happens after the um uh, after the temptation in the wilderness this happens in the garden and then the angels are there on the resurrection right, right. <clears throat> and um and then both our morning and evening prayers ask god to send oh. the angels oh good. That's one. Your holy angel. yeah um and i never connected like we're asking god to send his encouragement not only th- to watch over us but the encouragement to get through the day, like Jesus, yeah, yeah. That well, that and that's a, dawned on me. Like, wow, we're yeah, this is good. how we live like Jesus, asking God <laughs> to send the angels,
1: right? And not not asking necessarily to get. It's like uh, right at the Battle of the Bulge, right? You know, the uh, they're not they're they're not uh, calling back to uh, the commander and saying, "Hey, uh, send some warm socks." They're saying send ammunition yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and it's freezing cold, but right. What, what they want is they want ammunition. And I think that's what, you know, that's the kind of prayers that, and the, that's what the angels are. I, I'm sure I've said this on here. Cause I say it all the time. This, you know, this is what I don't like about the hymn Ride on, ride on in majesty. I don't like this language of the angels being sad to see. I don't think they're sad. I think they love it. They're like Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah are not sad to talk about what Jesus is going is doing. Peter is because he's still in, in the flesh and he's confused like we all are. But in heaven, this is their favorite topic of conversation. You know, when yeah. the angels announced to the shepherds what's, what's going on, you know, they, they, they know the end of this story. It's not like, you know, this is some kind of shallow praise from them, you know. Mm-hmm. This isn't Santa Claus has come and everything's happy. Look, there's a cute baby. No, this is, oh, look, the sacrifice is being prepared and he's freezing cold already and he's rejected. And isn't this great? (laughs) This is the way that God is working out the salvation of the world. This is the peace.
0: Yeah. We need a more conversation on what you just said about the Battle of the Bulge. Um, How when they asked People to send stuff. They ask for more ammunition, so they keep <laughs> after, so that they could keep after doing what they were sent to do. Right? They weren't asking yeah, in for comfort. Fu- um, it's great.
1: In full disclosure, full disclosure, I stole that line from Mike Ashelbach.
0: Okay. So anyway, but I, but even still, like, no, it's great. We we tend to interpret the the call the the like like I just did when Jesus calls out in the garden. As a kind of let me escape instead of send what I need to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- that is a real problem in our uh, our mental uh, fortitude in terms of we aren't we're asking to avoid instead of asking for the courage and the wherewithal and the strength to push forward.
1: Right. And it's a faith we, problem, of course. Yeah, Yeah. because we don't. Because the thing is, is that we're just again. It's like Peter on the mountain. We 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 don't. It's hard for us to believe that God will actually be with us through this suffering and that He's using it for good. Right. And so, right. So, and it's not that we can't. You know, as dear children ask their dear Father, we can ask. Mm-hmm. We can ask for you know candy and bicycles and relief. And, you know, we might even get it. But, uh, yeah, so it's not that we can't ask or shouldn't or don't ask for relief, but, you know, this whole thy will be done thing, which, of course, again, that's Jesus' prayer in the garden, um, that's got to be in this absolute confidence that all things work together for good, and that all Christians bear crosses, and that's good. Mm -hmm. You got to believe, right, the guys in the battle for the bulge believe in the mission.
0: yeah this is, that's a great image.
1: Yeah, it is a great image. That's why that's why I didn't want to take credit for it. Uh, I mean, it's, my Escherbach said that to me, I mean, it's been probably thir- almost 30 years ago. And I've, I use it all, I mean, I keep, I've been using it all the time for, the life. <laughs> it's it's great how one thing like that, right? I, I've i often uh, said like, you, this was just in a casual conversation. I'll I remember if it was, at, he was in the circuit with me, if it was at Winkle or if this was just in a hotel room, but it wasn't in any kind of a giving of a paper or anything. Nonetheless, like if I go to, if I hear a, go to a pastor's conference and you listen to an hour and a half paper, if you get one thing like that, that's significant,
0: right? Oh, definitely.
1: So it, it's, you, often, know, it's
0: uh, you know, it's often I'm looking for um just things like that, like some sort of analogical explanation that hits home to everyone who hears it.
1: Right. Like there's no and way that, you I can use,
0: understand what's going on.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I can use it next Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm going to exactly. keep use. I'm going to use it in catechism. Yeah. I'm going to use it. Right. You know, we got a whole. Yeah. All right. So there you go. What? Are we, why are we talking about that? Oh, because listen to. Oh, we didn't talk Genesis, the sun thing. And whom I'm well pleased. That's why. Um, yeah. And the this there's I think a, a nod towards Genesis 22 as well, right? With the sacrifice of Isaac. Um, oh yeah. So there, there you have. You know, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love. And so here we have, right? This is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And the you know the sacrifice of Isaac is that that's the great. I think that is the great event of faith in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, that Abraham, you know, moves forward. But but also Isaac's come complying with the demands of his father. Yeah. In fact, there's some uh there's some Jewish legend, maybe it's in the midrash or something, about Isaac stretching his neck out and saying something <laughs> like, I can't remember, that something like, uh you know make sure you cut deep enough so the sacrifice is accepted or something yeah. like that yeah it's uh There's, where's this I, this idea? i'm always yeah
0: i'm always taken by the fact that what like isaac is 20 18 to 20 and abraham is over a right. 100 and and oh, he yeah. goes willingly it, it, isaac's by far the stronger person i mean in and right. just he could have got away strength. he could have gotten away yeah, but he doesn't uh and uh that just always i spend usually I, when th- that text comes up talking a little bit about that like you think that he's just a little itty bitty boy no he's a grown man with man he carried the
1: wood yeah so. <laughs> yeah so so that that's that's a beautiful thing uh that listen to him also uh is probably you know that he is the prophet like moses from deuteronomy yeah. 18 that we're to listen yeah. to um yeah, so, Luke
0: has has listened to him, but instead of with whom I'm well pleased, the, the my chosen one. Yeah. Uh, and that comes from what Isaiah you said, Isaiah 42 or
1: uh yeah, Isaiah 42 is the elect one. Yeah, so that's right. What yeah. is it? I'll have to look it up here. It's electos
0: in Luke. Sure. Behold Transmute. my servant.
1: Hold whom I yeah, my my elect one in whom my soul delights. Behold okay. my servant whom I uphold. My elect one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice. A bruised <laughs> reed he will not. Yeah, that's great. It's great stuff. All right. Yeah. So some of the some of what uh, we've got some doctrinal stuff here for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. The divinity of Christ, of course, is is shown. That's what's sort of peeking through. In uh, and, and I mean, and we already sort of talked about that. The the tran- it's not. Really a transformation. it's actually a revelation of
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's already there, um, though the word is you know transformation. There's a fulfillment of types, I think that you know that we, we, we brought up Moses and then Isaac um, and then that Isaiah 42. Uh, there's others, but uh, you know there's lots of this kind of this this is the culmination of the Old Testament stuff uh, that's there. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, that we didn't talk about the Moses and Elijah. Why those two? <laughs> there's yeah. all sorts of possibilities. Um, they're the they're the sort of two great representative prophets. Um, they also, of course, both have this. Elijah, you know, is in the Bible as ascending into heaven, and there's all of this sort of stuff about Moses, which comes in, of course, also into Jude. You know, about the about his body. We know that Moses died, but so there's that stuff. Um, anyway, the, so the fulfillment stuff, uh, we didn't talk about this yet. We kind of got at it. the, uh, there's really in this, the approval of the father, right? The endorsement of Jesus as the Messiah and the kind of recognition that he is, right? He has this office. He's the, the chosen one. Um, and also that he is the mediator because, because when the father says, listen to him, right, that is, that is to say that he speaks for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so you, you've got that mediator office there as well. And then you've also got with the father speaking here and and with the uh visual signs, a kind of enthronement as well, um by this endorsement. And Saint Peter will talk about we beheld his majesty. Mm-hmm. So so that's there. Uh, we've got we talked about this but this is in the in the gospels this is a kind of preface or a preparation for the passion um, and a mission clarification for the disciples uh, uh, jesus already knows what he's going to do and he knows where it's headed but you know they're getting that you've mm-hmm. got also something fun here kind of doctrinally is this intersection of heaven and earth right they go up on a high mountain but then they have heaven there they've got two of the glorified saints there and you've got the bright cloud and you've got the father right and there is especially in luke's gospel because of this exodus language there is this understanding and love in heaven for the mission of jesus right mm-hmm.
0: so and then finally if, i've got i wonder if you know in a in addition to the you know depart in peace after the sacrament we should have rise and have no fear
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and you've got Matthew's got him being, being touched, right? That yeah. Jesus touches them. That and and says don't be afraid, which is yeah. which is uh, uh I was thinking about this. I forgot about it, but usually don't be afraid is what the angels say. Right. And uh uh, uh here uh it's like uh it almost feels like Jesus <laughs> uh is standing between the father and the three, right? Mm. So he comes, hey, shut up, right? <laughs> shut up and stop talking. You don't know what you're talking about. This is my son. You are not.
0: And yeah. <laughs> it's as though Jesus,
1: Jesus right? And Jesus uh, uh, steps between them, right? And I mean, that's his role to uh, and touches them, right? And then I love this too. They have eyes only for Jesus. Yeah. And it does not say that Moses and Elijah disappeared.
0: Hear it right.
1: They could still just be standing right there, but now, right, having been touched by Jesus, having heard his his voice, do not be afraid. And of course, that that command causing the reality. Right, they, they see only Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of nice too. So uh, I, there's a lot in this text.
0: So um, do you think, like, also this was um, this was I don't want to call it a test of Jesus by his father to see if he would step in the gap. Would he be the intermediary when he's saying to Peter, James, and John, (laughs) look, shut up. He's my son, (laughs) not you. And then just to, you know, how we do this with our boys to see if, will they step in? Will they do what we've taught them to do? Um, Yeah. That, and then Jesus does, and it's like, all right, totally ready. Go on <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's it, yeah, yeah, right. That's why he's well pleased with them, yeah, he does do it, uh you also have, I think, in this uh demonstration of the intentionality of Jesus, right, not only with the this the prophecy or the passion prediction uh but but also you know in in this, you're seeing that Jesus is fully aware in the conversation that he has. And also, in showing his his divinity and his submission to the Father, so mm-hmm. you know it's it's not as though Jesus is stumbling along you know, and well what's this thing with uh you know this kind of e l c a idea that Jesus dies on accident or something right oh, right <laughs> yeah no uh, that's that's outrageous and uh, blasphemous
0: all right, so th- th- those are the kind of the doctrine um what about training in righteousness, correction?
1: Well, we talked about a lot of it already. I mean, really that sort of willingness to take up our crosses, to mm-hmm. believe that, to, to persevere in hope that we believe that God is working all things together for good, right? That yeah. we are defined by Easter and by the second coming and the giving of the Holy Spirit and we're not going to judge by these other things. That gives us the ability to mm-hmm. endure hardship, right? That's the training in righteousness. Yeah. To, so,
0: to so that we would learn to call for more ammunition, not to escape. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I've, and I think, yeah. Go ahead. I I've just, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. I got. I, I, I'm with you. That's why I've been using it so much. Uh, it also, you know, there is in this. Right, this foreshadowing of, of the resurrection and of ascension and you know as as we, we had a great advent around here um, recently uh, because our men's group took on, I don't know if everybody did it, but the, a bulk of them did it. A lot of the men in our congregation took on a mutual fasting mm-hmm. um, of various sorts or abstinations. Uh, so everybody but gave up alcohol. That was great. Mm-hmm. No alcohol during Advent, and then and then a lot of people added other things, you know, cutting back food or adding, you know, Bible reading or exercise and stuff. And uh, it was just really, it was the most. I, I hate to, I, the word I want to use. I can't stand, but it was one of the most meaningful Advents I've ever had. Uh, so I, I think. And then you 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 had a great podcast with uh, Ian Kinney on fasting.
0: Yeah, we, wasn't that we wonderful? We were already
1: kind of. Well, that was great. He did a really nice job, and uh, he's—I guess he's—he's he's, uh, academically related to Jeff Boyle somehow. But, but oh, okay. uh, Boyle told me he—Boyle he, told me that he'd been involved with some of Kinney's work, or had seen some of that work on fasting that Kinney had done and given him. So anyway, uh, yeah. So, but that's—it was so it was a—it was a very—it was a great advent for me personally, and felt. You know, I'm happy with how it went. It was difficult, though. And, you know, now I'm thinking, oh, man, Lent's coming. <laughs> here we go again. What
0: are, what are we going to do now?
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's sort of like, ah, oh, do we have to keep like, you know, like Kinney says, right? you spo- It's supposed to keep getting harder, right? Right. You know, you, I mean, you're nudging us towards it. But, I mean, that, I didn't like what we did this time. Now now we're going to yeah. nudge it a little further. So there is a kind of fleshly fear of of Lent. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a, a sort of seeking of excuses and, and so yeah. forth. And I think I've, you know I've this started
0: is... year round um, and this just only happened probably um, in November, but I'm gonna do this year round, which is I just don't eat anything on Saturday until the first meal on Sunday after after church. Just the uh, whole day.
1: Nothing all day Saturday. Until Nothing after all church. My on last Sunday.
0: meal is Friday, uh Ooh. Friday Supper. I don't do the Friday fast because that's my day off. And that would be uh, really hard. But so it's hard. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you're if you know, I, I'd have to really keep myself busy. Um, because you know, yeah. there's just I'm home all the time. Um, Saturday, right. I'm home in the morning and I usually don't eat breakfast anyway. But then in the afternoon, I'm kind of working, and either in the shop or or at church. And then, so, uh, so yeah, I don't eat anything on Saturday until lunch, basically noon on Sunday. And that's a long uh, time. It is a long time, um, and it gets easier. Uh, but yeah, but you know, right around eleven o'clock, I'm hungry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to. It is really. Uh, I tried to keep it up a little bit in the days after Christmas. I didn't have to, but you know, I thought, well, I, I don't need to eat all this junk. You know, there's so much junk, and yeah, it's it's really hard when you're at home.
0: <laughs> it really is. It really is.
1: Yeah, because because there's food at home. I I don't. Know if these guys get any. These guys that have their offices in the parsonage. I'm I've never had to do that, and I'd probably be a better person if I had. But man, I I like the separation and the removal of, temp- I mean, every, I've got, it's not just food, you know, it's my hobbies are at home and the chores are at home. There's always, you know, there's always things I should be doing or could be doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, I think that that was a long digression, but uh, in terms of kind of training towards righteousness and, and, and encouragement, you know, that uh, Gerhardt talks about training for righteousness is the, the, the theological virtue is hope. Mm-hmm. And, that's really your word of encouragement, right? To to have courage. Yeah. That's a kind of it's a kind of hope and not a recklessness, but but courage. So, yeah. Focused on the goal. Uh, you know, in terms of consoling, that's all training stuff. I mean, you you've just got the I mean, the endorsement of the son by the father ought to be of great consolation, right? That this mm-hmm. is the this is the plan and you know this is where we find comfort
0: mm-hmm.
1: or or in jesus I, you know standing between the bright cloud yeah. and the disciples even when they right even though they even though they failed once again in their weakness you know it's such yeah. a it's such a touching it's such a touching thing that he touches them uh i did so we were at our last marriage thing i was using i can't remember now was it Oh, no, it wasn't Gottman. I like his stuff, but it was that Eli Finkel stuff. Um, so those are both good names for marriage stuff. Neither one of them are Christian. But uh, he they had uh, talked about different things for for marriage. And we were trying to apply, or I was trying to apply it not only to holy marriage, but also to friendship and so forth. And one of the things in there that like we need to just cultivate is physical touch, and that's Pretty easy for me with my wife. I don't, you know, that's not. And he's not talking about the marriage bed. He's talking about just, you know, sitting on the couch and and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think it, it it does actually matter a lot in other relationships as well. And uh, I haven't really done anything with this, but I because I am not a, I do not like hugs. Uh, I am not in favor of hugs. I mean, I can endure them, obviously, but. Yeah. I mean, I I like to hug. I like hugs from children, and I yes. like hugs from my wife, and that's the limit, right? If and you know, there if you try to, I don't. Are you a hugger? I don't
0: remember. I am but, not uh, a hugger. You know, in fact, there are Ramirez men that, makes fun of yeah. me about this because oh. I I didn't. <laughs> I, I talked about this in some other arena, but I I I had to learn to even hug my wife. Like it was just. <laughs> I just felt like claustrophobic and like, okay, I'll hug you like a quick hug, you know, like there hug, yeah, uh, but you know with your wife it's not just a quick hug, it's like it's like twenty seconds long, and yeah. I had to count in my head like <laughs> how long was enough, um and Ramirez always makes fun of me about that because I was talking about it one time and so he started sending me all these memes about hugging. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Ramirez. Uh,
1: well, yeah. I think we yeah, there is something to um, that. You know, just I think there is something to recognizing the well. We have an example here of Jesus actually engaging in something like this, mm-hmm. and you know, it doesn't have to. I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying we should be hugging each other, but you know, maybe maybe some pats on the back. You know, we did this. We did this when we were children. I mean, we did this in high school, you know, on teams and stuff. And yeah. I think to just to just re- I think there is something I think these marriage people are onto something about that we need to actually recognize that we are physical creatures who live in space and that yeah. you know touch is one of the five senses and anyway, I don't know what Jesus touches them. He he does recognize it and it's meaningful to them and it does give them courage. Um, and of course, I mean, the, you know, you can make the sacramental application there too, but, you know, maybe we need to think about how we actually support and love one another in the church militant yeah. and the physicality of it. May, I don't know. I don't know. I'm saying I don't know because I don't like where it's going uh, because that stuff makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> maybe not as, maybe not as uncomfortable as you apparently, but uh <laughs>
0: So I, I, I mean, will say,
1: Jackie doesn't I, listen to these, so I get. J- Jackie does have, uh, like you know, I've, I do have trouble when like you know wh- whatever. I do the cooking in our house, so because she works full time, because the kids are all gone, and so anyway, you know, she'll come home and I'm in the kitchen trying to finish up dinner or whatever, and then she wants to hug, and I'm like, come on, you know, I want to get this done, <laughs> <laughs> and and but I have, I mean, I am, I'm old enough, I know, I've just got to do it, right. So okay. I I do, but then like she doesn't want to let go of this hug, you know. They they do go. I I should start counting. What what's your magic number? Because I'm like, okay, I hugged you. I want to, you know. Yeah, I, I want finished off as this-
0: ten, and now it's like fifteen. It's fifteen seconds. <laughs> that's that's the magic number. <laughs> okay, I'll have to put that to use. It's and it's yeah. not just like one, two, three, four, five. It's one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs>
1: So much for being present in the moment. Yeah, that's
0: right. <laughs> yeah, it's like those memes, you know, I think he's thinking about another woman. Uh, no, he's thinking about the Roman Empire. No, he's just counting. Yeah. <laughs> he's just counting.
1: When can I let go? <laughs>
0: I know, I'm awful. I, I'm so glad that my wife is normal and she loves me. I don't know why she loves me, but I'm glad she does. <laughs>
1: Well, we all right. we all love you, but you know we don't. Not all of us want to hug you, so
0: yeah. And I'm super thankful for that. That's where uh, she's
1: really unique.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. So this came out. I was giving a presentation at Ramirez's place, and he thanked me, and he came and shook my hand, and then gave me a big hug <laughs> in front of. Everybody. <laughs> uh, it's it's good. We need that kind of razzing and to from from a from our friends
1: no it's 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 right it it, it's it does it does a couple of things i think it's it does humble us right yeah and it does push us out of our 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 comfort zone um it's so it's it's and and you know it's done i mean if it's done as that obviously is you know from actual affection even though yeah there's teasing in it yeah
0: yeah Yeah. No, No, We
1: we do need that. I I think, uh, you know, the, we, we have to, even though we're adults, we still
0: have to play. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, did that cover everything that you wanted to cover? That was my whole list. I think we got,
1: I mean, we didn't talk about a lot of these details, but this is such, this account is so well known. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, and we've talked about them before. Is there a direction you're going to, is there a direction you want to go? already that you're thinking about Well,
1: I didn't have that battle of the bulge thing written down that's just one of my standard but you know you reacted to it so strongly maybe that I was I was thinking about you know doing something maybe with the uh, Abraham and Isaac
0: Mm. but But you're going to get that in Lent 5
1: I know I don't know I don't really know at
0: this point do you do you ever feel like that you get an idea and you're like yeah but that text is coming up and I got to save it oh yeah
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's legit. It's, I mean, an experience helps with that some, but uh, yeah, you know, you don't want to, I mean, on Palm Sunday, you know, it'd be pretty easy to give away to to, to use all your material for Good Friday, right? (laughs) I mean, not that, no, I I think it's, I think that that's actually a a good discipline in, and what it, and I'm just, obviously you're not going to give away, all your material, so to speak. I mean, that's not what we're doing. But what it does do is, I think it's actually liberating, and it can allow your preaching to be fuller over time because you don't have to say everything about Good Friday on Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's it's not like a it, it's not like a disappointment to me at this point. of Like, oh, I can't say I don't want to preach on this because it's coming up Lent five. Like, oh, good, I, I I can handle this on Lent five, and so. Mm-hmm that kind of frees me to focus on something else. And I don't feel like I have to tell them everything.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, Any final thoughts? Nope. Okay. I don't believe in final thoughts. (laughs) That's all right. I'm going to keep asking. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Jason. It's
1: like Ramirez and his hugs.
0: (laughs) That's right. All right. Take care.